I've um, come across poems by William Butler Yeats, and one that I find very fitting to this period that we find ourselves in is his Lake Isle of Innisfree, and it goes like this. I will arise and go now, and go to Innisfree, and a small cabin built there of clay and wattles made. Nine bean rows will I have there, a hive for the honey bee, and live alone in the bee-loud glade. And I shall have some peace there, for peace comes dropping slow, dropping from the veils of the morning to where the cricket sings. There midnight's all a glimmer, and noon a purple glow, and evening full of the linnet's wings. I will arise and go now, for always night and day I hear lake water lapping with low sounds by the shore while I stand on the roadway or on the pavement's gray, I hear it in the deep heart's core. We can learn a lot from the, from the protagonist who seems to so simply and so easily enjoy these little things, little but important things in life, um, and manages to find some peace in his solitude and to find enjoyment from uh, just observing nature, soaking up all the feelings that um, that the nature or that his experiences provide. Um, like, for example, listening to the sounds of the lake water or the bees. And um, I think this is something that we um, urgently need to relearn, especially in this fast-paced lifestyle. So, I feel like the stir-crazy is really setting in this week. Staying apart, of course, is still very serious, but being alone is getting weird. A new, kind of eerie routine has started. I was used to getting up early, checking the sports scores, letting Rex out, and taking the blue line in to foggy bottom. Automatic things, it didn't require too much of my thought, but it has all gone away. And now my routine is wobbly and weighted with big moral questions. Where is it safe to walk Rex? Should I go to the grocery store? I don't miss the robotic nature of life before, but I miss everything else. Working on this Connecting Through Isolation series this week was surprisingly uplifting. While the pandemic is still oppressively changing everything, there are steady moments of light and hope coming into our new 2233 mailbox from our friends all over the world. This week, stories from India, Afghanistan, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Hungary, Washington, D.C., New York City, Northern Virginia, and my own home state, Minnesota. From teenagers in Afghanistan to a parliamentarian in Europe to an award-winning Midwestern chef. This week brings us reminders of the power of art to connect and transport us, and the surprising power of flour, sugar, and eggs to bake away our isolation. Have cupcakes ever seemed 
so profound. Wherever you are today, I hope our stories bring us all a little relief and maybe a little closer together. Connecting through isolation, it's 2233. Politicians, scientists, and even celebrities all want us to practice social distancing. This is a recording for 2233, and it's in the COVID crisis. Things are unpredictable. I think that people perhaps will be thinking that they are stuck at home. So we're asking everyone to be selfless for others. We're all in this together. We all have a voice. We all have a story to tell. In this difficult time, everything is not locked down. What I feel is, sunrise is not locked down. Love is not locked down. Family time is not locked down. Kindness is not locked down. Creativity is not locked down. Learning is not locked down. Conversation is not locked down. Imagining is not locked down. Reading is not locked down. Relationship is not locked down. Praying is not locked down. Meditation is not locked down. Sleeping is not locked down. Work from home is not locked down. Hope is not locked down. Cherish that you have. Lockdown is an opportunity to do what you always wanted to do. And that's what I'm doing. I'm utilizing my time. Our central government has declared country-wise, nation-wise lockdown due to coronavirus pandemic. We are staying at home and keeping safe ourselves and saving the lives around us. Staying at home is very important right now because we can only fight this coronavirus by staying at home and we can wash our hands and give a various kind of cleaning message to our people around us and in the society. I have dreamed to make this world a better place for everyone. And as we know, in our life, ups and downs is a part of our life. Due to coronavirus, I am at home, but I have not stopped dreaming. I am dreaming to participate in Paralympics and represent my country. I am doing physical workouts, whatever I can do on wheelchair at my home. And the most important thing is, by seeing me doing exercises on wheelchair, my father, who is 85 years old, he get inspired and he also do physical fitness workout at home. So that's really motivate me. As I'm a working professional and staying away from my family, my family stays in Madhubani Bihar and right now I am in Gurgaon, Haryana. So everything I have to do, I am doing and the best part is now due to this lockdown, I am trying myself to learn how to make food. My maid is not coming so I am making food and I am cooking food for myself and my father 
and now i'm learning you know how to make triangle uh, circular the first day i actually posted a picture of a uh, flat flat braid what i was doing trying to make and it was like coming all the shapes of different countries many of my friends uh, commented on my uh, uh, post but that really motivate me that being a boy as and that to most importantly a paraplegic person can make and can cook food for himself I've also recently discovered or anytime I have to procrastinate of course I I I discover great music or great new artists and one of them is Tamino who is a Belgian born singer and musician with Egyptian roots The girl staking up on a hill It's an indigo night there's a chill The boy is confused but he's still as they gather around him so many of them they all sing about the pleasures of life and he cries and i've just now been uh, been listening to him drinking tea out on my balcony and um looking at these beautiful at these beautiful hills in sarajevo that i that i've always enjoyed so much and uh what i like what i particularly like about his music is that it's a mix of, of somehow really really this deep oriental charm so to say it takes me back or it takes me to places that i've never been to that i would like to visit but i can't at the moment um so in a way it's through his music i get to travel to these um far away places and maybe experience um a lot more than i normally would in the normal rush of day so to say i like the calming and soothing uh, qualities of his voice Neta Rizvanovic checked in with us from her home in Sarajevo, Bosnia and Herzegovina. In her original 2233 episode entitled learning from one's mistakes. She described her time in Alaska as a youth exchange and study participant. You know, oh, by the way, I actually reached out to Tamino and shared her clip. He thought it was awesome, and he gave us permission to use his song Indigo Night, which is Nara's favorite. We thank him. Cuz he's never been Before Nera, we heard from Mohammed Shams Alam Sheikh, an Indian Paralympian who holds the record for the longest open sea swim by a paraplegic person. Shams was a participant in ECA's Global Sports Mentoring Program in 2018. He checked in with us from Mumbai, India. Hi, my name is Grace Benton. I was a Fulbright English teaching assistant from 2011 to 2012 in Amman, Jordan. I live in Arlington, Virginia with my partner and our blind cat, Mishmish. 
Beginning next fall, I will be an immigration attorney at a nonprofit defending detained immigrants. But for now, I am a full-time student in my last semester of law school. One of the things that this social isolation period has done for me is that it's allowed me to become reacquainted or better acquainted, let's say, with the living things in my immediate space. This includes my cat, Mishmish, with whom I've established a deep, close companionship that I never thought was possible. Pre-pandemic, I'd give her a pat or two, leave food for her, and then rush out the door. But now we really spend lengthy, quality time together. My cat was a little irritable at first when I was at home all of the time, but we've grown into this easy camaraderie that has resulted in a lot more purring and snuggling than I've ever seen from my normally stoic feline friend. I've also taken solace in my houseplants, recognizing that it really is a privilege to get to watch them grow and proliferate in the spring sunlight. This time at home represents an opportunity to pause, to take things in, to be mindful and intentional about how I order my time and my space. Unstructured time at home, once a premium in my chaotic law school student life, now stretches out endlessly before me. My biggest inspiration by far has been baking. It's been a way to fill all of this extra time, but it's become so much more than that. I've always been a pretty avid baker, feeding my sourdough starter, baking for study groups, hostessing butter and carb-filled brunches, but baking during the COVID-19 pandemic has taken on a completely different meaning for me and filled a completely different space in my life. It's come to occupy a really important space, and it has underscored for me, in a really important way, this bond between food and human connection. In its most basic form, baking helps me decompress, de-stress, and just generally process what's happening around me. I was fortunate enough to get my hands on a Costco bag of flour several weeks ago, which has allowed me to really branch out and attempt a lot of increasingly elaborate recipes. Like, the longer that I have to knead the dough, the more times that I have to laminate the dough, the more effective baking is as a de-stressor for me. More importantly, though, baking has become a way to foster connection at a time when we can't, by necessity, see one another or be together physically. My social media is alight with, you know, hashtag quarantine kitchen, hashtag corona cooking, and it's been this really neat way to build community, which was sort of unexpected for me. For example, I have connected with folks who I hadn't talked to in years in languages for which my skills are very rusty. Former students from when I lived in Jordan former colleagues from when I worked in Egypt and Iraq, have reached out and commented on my loaves of sourdough, on my tie-dye cupcakes, on my half-failed attempt at croissants. These, in turn, have sparked longer conversations over private messaging, about the well-being of our families, exchanging recipes, how our respective governments are handling the pandemic. I've really kind of leaned into being one of those, quote, 
those people. My Instagram consists of my cat and baked goods, but it's been a really wonderful and meaningful way to connect with folks, particularly in a time when I know I feel so far removed from other humans. Baking has also helped me to feel like I'm contributing in some really minuscule way to the war against coronavirus, to use our administration's military framing of the situation. My partner, with whom I live, runs a scribe program at the emergency department of a large hospital in the area, so he is still going to work like normal. He is one of the healthcare heroes on the front lines. And I'm so proud of him and his colleagues for their dedication and incredibly hard work during this dangerous and uncertain time. About a month ago, at the beginning of our social isolation period, I was stress baking some cupcakes and I decided to send some along with my partner to his colleagues in the emergency room. They were warmly received and my partner told me that people really enjoyed them and that a doctor had told him that it was like the brightest spot in his day. So I kept making and sending cupcakes. I started taking requests and getting more elaborate in my piping designs and creative as my supplies ran low. It's given me this real sense of purpose over the weeks, as if I'm doing my part in some tiny way to support our community of healthcare providers out there on the front lines. I do wish that instead of cupcakes, I can make N95 masks and PPE. True, there have been so many silver linings to this process of socially isolating from one another, like finding solace in the simple things, the mindfulness and intentionality, encountering human connection in unlikely places. However, the fact remains that we are living in a really scary time, a tragic time, where we are forced to confront our fallibility, our mortality. What the pandemic has also done in a really powerful way is lay bare some of society's deep inequities, underscoring the socioeconomic stratification that's always been there, but it's becoming increasingly pronounced amidst this crisis. The coronavirus pandemic has, for me, introduced a level of uncertainty into my life that I don't think I've ever experienced before. It's the big things in my personal and professional trajectory, like, will I have a bar exam this summer? Will I be able to become an attorney and practice like I'd planned? But it's also the small things. It feels like I'm constantly questioning my actions. Like, should I have taken that walk yesterday? Was I socially distant enough? Did I wash my hands for long enough? Have I wiped everything down adequately? And thinking about the future sometimes doesn't even feel possible. What if we don't contain the virus? What if my parents get sick and I can't get to help them? What if, what if, what if? Things feel really precarious and really uncertain. Much of my adult life has been devoted to studying and working on issues of forced displacement and migration. 
I worked with refugees in the Middle East previously, and now I work with immigrant populations in the U.S. One thing that I've learned in the course of this work is that uncertainty and instability are defining features in the lives of people forced to leave their homes. When the system doesn't work for you, or the system is set up specifically to exclude you or discriminate against you, your life teems with uncertainty. While the uncertainties in my own life don't even begin to compare to what a refugee or a forced migrant has to experience on the day-to-day, the fear and instability surrounding the current public health crisis has helped me to reframe my perspective and cultivate a deeper appreciation for what refugees, asylum seekers, and undocumented folks have to contend with on a daily basis. I feel extremely fortunate and privileged to have my health, the health of my family, my home, the ability to take my classes remotely, the ability to buy a Costco-sized bag of flour. All of this marks my immense privilege and something I can't stop thinking about and also trying to figure out how to begin to adequately address is how this pandemic is already affecting impoverished and vulnerable communities in our midst. I hope that we can come up with interventions to prevent widespread suffering that could stem from the far-reaching impacts of the pandemic. And I hope very deeply that we can emerge from this as a closer community with deeper empathy for what others are going through and a clearer, more coherent sense for addressing inequalities, both at home and abroad. I hope you and your families are staying safe and healthy during these troubled times. Grace Benton is a soon-to-be human rights lawyer. Her 2233 episode, one of our first, was called Practice, Practice, Practice. And I strongly suggest you give it a listen to find out why. It's about her time as a Fulbright English teaching assistant in Amman, Jordan. And it is touching and hilarious. Grace is currently baking cupcakes from her home in Arlington, Virginia. Promise yourself to be strong that nothing can disturb your peace of mind. To talk health, happiness, and prosperity to every person you meet. To make all your friends feel like there is something in them. To look at the sunny side of everything and make your optimism come true. To think only of the best, to work only for the best and expect only the best. To be just and enthusiastic about the success of others as you are about your own. Hamid Rizay is an alumnus of the U.S. Embassy in Afghanistan's Leadership and English Advancement Program, or LEAP. He checked in with us from Mazar-e-Sharif, Afghanistan, where he is currently a high school student. My name is Bernadette Sale. I live in Hungary. I am a member of parliament and I participated in IVLP. These days I find myself remembering and thinking about the old curse. May you live in interesting times. This also brings to mind a quote by the late Robert Kennedy. Like it or not, we live in interesting times. They are times of danger and uncertainty. But they are also more open to the creative energy of man than any other time in history. In these words, I try to find hope that after all of this, we can find the strength and learn from it. 
and to carry forward in a positive direction. But even in the midst of all the chaos, fear and tragedy, there is hope and positivity to be found in the world. Thanks to the internet and social media, people around the world can reach out to friends and family and even complete strangers to find support, education and even sometimes laughter. I can get online and learn up to the minute what the situation is here in Hungary or anywhere else in the world. I am finding inspiration in my family and colleagues and the people I represent. It means so much to me that there are people who rely on me and that moves me greatly. This is the light at the end of this dark tunnel the world is living in that makes me want to continue every single day, no matter how hard the struggle seems. Before the situation in regards to the coronavirus, I had started reading Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale since I never had time to watch the TV series. I am also looking forward to reading Michelle Obama's book. And to give myself inspiration, I plan on watching 9 to 5 since I have heard so many great things about it. It's funny, I just realized that these are all projects by women or about women. And yes, I'm a feminist, but this happened by accident. Bernadette Sell is an opposition party member of the Hungarian parliament, fighting for human rights and equality issues. She was originally featured on 2233 in an episode from 2019 entitled On Stage with the Entire Globe. She took time away from her PAC schedule to check in with us from Budapest, Hungary. Hello, uh, this is Lenny Russo from St. Paul, Minnesota, where uh, it is Easter Sunday and there is a steady snowfall. I and my wife and our dog Vito arrived here about a week and a half ago uh, from Charleston, South Carolina, where I was doing some consulting work. Some of you may, may already know that I am a chef and that I work primarily here in Minnesota and Wisconsin, but but also uh, in other parts of the country. Uh, last summer, I was outside of Paris uh, at an eco-center giving a lecture on sustainable gastronomy uh, to a group of young people who had gathered from around the world uh, to discuss issues of uh, food security, food production, and environmental and economic sustainability, topics of which now uh, seem to be more important than ever, given the current pandemic uh, that we are all uh, imprisoned by currently. And and that is what also prompted our uh, leaving Charleston. It 
has been a difficult time, I guess, for all of us right now. The things, I guess, that are keeping me, I guess, engaged, uh, even though we are isolated, is uh, is the garden. I, I've been planting the gardens uh, and, and hoping to get back in there, uh, uncovering what was out there and seeing what, what was up and, and vibrant. And then yesterday, in a frenzy, covering most everything with hay in the hopes that it would last uh, through this through this next uh, next few days while while the snow falls and the temperatures overnight drop below freezing. Uh, one of my farmers came by last week and and dropped off uh, a bunch of storage crop over the winter, some purple sweet potatoes and garnet yams and parsnips and 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 cheapalo onions and um, uh, shallots and then of course some of the greens that they had growing in the greenhouse and and then I um, went about sharing them with with uh, with some of our friends here and watching our community come together to help one another so so I guess you know those are those are really the things that are inspiring me now um, and of course um, cooking we got home and uh, filled the larder of course being a chef you know our basement was full of pasta and canned tomatoes and preserved vegetables, things that are pickled and, and ready and on the shelves. And, and so I knew we were secure there. And then I, I spent um, I spent the week um, making stocks and soups and, and putting things up and, and making sure that, uh, that we had enough stock here to, uh, to outlast things. My wife is downstairs uh, busy uh, listening to bebop and uh, puzzling. Uh, she has a, uh, I believe that she's, she's got a Monet Impressionist thousand piece puzzle on the table right now. Makes it a little difficult at dinner time uh, as we have to shuffle around the puzzle, but um, it, it's keeping her sane and and she can really kind of zone out and, and take her mind off of things as, as we wait uh, to see what will happen. Obviously, we've all been horribly displaced during this time, <clears throat> some of us more than others. Some have been putting their lives in danger to be caregivers. Many of those people are my friends. I've been, been checking on them too, making sure that, that they're safe and sound, at least for the time being, while they imperil themselves to help others. Uh, and I guess that's uh, probably the most inspiring, one of the most inspiring things I've seen. Another thing that's really been of comfort is to is to see families out together with everyone home and kids out of school. Uh, it's nice to see you know families of five out and about enjoying each other's company and 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 enjoying enjoying nature again, uh, doing the things that that families used to do before um, everybody got into their their own little bubble or silo and and spend less time connecting. Uh, and and more time uh, distancing themselves. Uh, when this whole thing happened, I said, "Well, social distancing, we're we're already doing all that. So uh, how hard can it be? Particularly here in Minnesota, where where people are a little less engaging and a little more uh, introverted than in, than in most places. You know, it's been it's been nice to see that. I think I think that it, it's it's a weird dichotomy where uh, we're supposed to be uh, distancing ourselves yet." 
it's also fostering uh, or fostering a, a reconnection between and among people that love and know each other. So I think that that's, that's really nice to see. be more cognizant of those around us. We need to be um, um, concerned about everyone's well-being and we need to lift each other up together. That means that business owners, management, labor, everyone, even those who are, are, are severely disenfranchised, who are somehow compromised physically, mentally, that, that we're all in this together and that we can all lift each other up together. And, and move forward. We first met Chef Lenny Russo in a 2233 episode called Seasoned by an American about his time as an ECA arts envoy filming a television series in Slovenia. Lenny is a six-time James Beard nominee for Best Midwestern Chef. He and his dog Vito, I heard, checked in with us from his home in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hey everyone, this is Joanna Lohman, um, former professional soccer player for the Washington Spirit and sports diplomat for the Department of State. So many people are coming together um, during a, a very dangerous health crisis and still trying to offer um, hope and motivation and um, just love and care around the world to keep us as healthy and happy as possible during this um, very, very sad time. Getting out onto the soccer field um, even by myself during this time and getting to work on my game and getting to play the game that I love um, and use the game um, even more for social progress and to move the world forward. So seeing us all continue to work hard at what we love and doing what we love is uh, a huge inspiration for me. And I just recently created a poem for an organization called DC Scores, um, which is an incredible organization in DC that pairs soccer and poetry um, to help youth become uh, lead the leaders of tomorrow and to stay connected to the community. So I created a poem of why my community is so important to me. So I am really trying to continue to make a difference by staying home, making smart decisions. Together, you know, we can really get through this crisis and we'll come out the other side and hopefully I'll see everybody again when we can open up the world to travel. You know, thanks for your time and uh, sending all of my love from Washington, D.C. Joanna Loman was the star of the very first episode of 2233, called Don't Stop, Keep Moving, about her work as a sports envoy teaching girls about the importance of play in Botswana and other countries. A former professional soccer player for the Washington Spirit, she now leads a movement called Find Your Cool, about, quote, meeting yourself, being yourself, and encouraging yourself throughout life, end quote. For more information, you can visit joannaloman.com. She's currently in Washington, D.C. Hello, this is Jonathan Hollander. I'm in New York City, 
I'm with the Battery Dance Company, and I did exchange programs through the Fulbright in India and Malaysia, and took part in embassy-sponsored programs around the world since then. Battery Dance is in its 44th year, and I am the founder, so uh, international cultural exchange is something that's very much in my blood. Uh, unfortunately, like everyone else around the world, we are quarantined, living in our homes. Uh, when I say us, I mean the team of dancers and managers of Battery Dance. We were supposed to be going to Nigeria, actually, um, on the 15th of March. And of course, that program was postponed because it would have been dangerous to leave the country at that time. Instead, we found it very inspiring to uh, launch a new program, Battery Dance TV, in which we've been able to put uh, dance lessons, stretch classes, creative uh, dances that people are doing in their living rooms, and interviews with international artists to explore what life is like for them now at this time of isolation. And this is a way that we've found of, of uh, continuing the wonderful relationships that we built over time through the exchange programs in which we've participated. And we're excited to say that in the first five days of Battery Dance TV, we had people um, logging on from 68 countries around the world. It, it seems like this is the moment where the arts and culture can play a very, very important role in um, inspiring people and in, in, in making them feel happy and joyful in connecting around the world um, at a time when uh, the four walls of, of one's room or, or house or apartment can begin to feel oppressive. What we're finding is that everyone's going through the same thing, and if we can share inspiration, so much the better. It just makes it that much easier to get through this difficult time. Jonathan Hollander is the founder and artistic director of Battery Dance in New York City. A veteran of numerous ECA-funded cultural exchange programs, he's also a Fulbright alumnus himself. Jonathan touched base with us from New York City. And to learn more about the new initiative Jonathan described, Battery Dance TV, check out batterydance.org. Long story short, as we live in Herat, a city that has imposed quarantines on citizens due to virus corona, and we spend most of the time at home, so I would like to read corona poem that I have seen in Facebook page. East or west, home is the best. Take some rest. Don't call guests. Enjoy home fest. No outing zest. So be in your nest. This is my request. Thank you. Mohammed Ahmede was nominated by the U.S. Embassy in Afghanistan last year to take part in the English Teaching Mentor Program. He reached out to us from Herat province in Afghanistan. Hi, my name is J.P. Jenks. I'm a program officer in the Office of Citizen Exchanges and Cultural Programs Division. I manage the American Music Abroad Program, 
which sends American artists overseas to play for foreign audiences. When the crisis of COVID-19 started back in January, we had bands on the road out in Asia. All told, we had four bands that that were touring in Asia and in in Africa uh, between January and March. And they all safely completed their tours and now are back home. But we do have a number of tours that were scheduled to, to go out. And of course, they have been paused. We're not doing any exchanges at the moment. In fact, we had one band that was coming through Washington on their way out uh, to go on their tour when they were sitting in our conference room and the word came in that we, uh, we would have to pause that particular tour. So we took them out on the mall and we did a whole bunch of shout out videos for, for those countries uh, and did the best that we could with, uh, with that. You know, if we can't go out with our music exchanges, technology actually allows us to reach audiences and to do collaboration uh, over the internet. And there may be ways uh, that we can innovate and, and be creative and still meet uh, some of these very important objectives at our embassies around the world. And in the meantime, i am got a song for you. It's a song called Moon River. It was debuted uh, in 1961 in the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. And uh, it's, a very, it's a very appropriate song right now because the songwriter is imagining as he looks at this river uh, and where, where it disappears off into the distance and dreams of going down that river and getting to the other side and what, what his life might be, you know, if he were to be able to, uh, to get there. And in some ways, all of us in our society uh, facing this pandemic, we're, we're looking down that road right now and we're all wondering what's on the other side of this pandemic. And so two drifters off to see the world. There's so much world out there to see. And we're going to all see it with new eyes when this uh, all comes, uh, comes to an end and we, we emerge like, uh, like butterflies and moths from our cocoon into, into a brave new place. And so I hope you enjoy this song. Very 
J.P. Jenks has one of the coolest jobs in the world, recruiting American music artists to tour all around the world as cultural ambassadors for the American Music Abroad program. J.P. is also an avid musician and has been spending the last few weekends performing Facebook Live concerts while raising funds for the USO. Last week's was dedicated to the late, great John Prine, an American original who we lost far too early due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Twenty Two Thirty Three is produced by the Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name is Christopher Worst. I'm the director of the Collaboratory. Twenty Two Thirty Three is named for Title Twenty Two, Chapter Thirty Three of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. This week, we heard from 2233 friends, new and old, who were kind enough during these times of uncertainty to record themselves talking about what is inspiring them and what they are feeling. Huge thanks to Neda Rezvanovich, Shams Alam, Grace Benton, Hamid Reze, Bernadette Sell, Lenny Russo, Joanna Lohman, Jonathan Hollander, Mohammed Ahmedi, and J.P. Jenks. And listeners, we would love to hear about your thoughts and inspirations as well. It could be a story, a poem, or a song, whatever it is that you're feeling at the moment. Please send us your audio to 2233 at state.gov and let us know where you are while you're at it. You can always find more information about the podcast at our webpage at eca.state.gov slash 2233. And of course, you should follow us on Instagram at 22.33 underscore stories. Special thanks to everybody for mobilizing to send audio to us on such short notice. The 2233 team working from various locations was instrumental in this special series.
Thanks to Kate Furby, Anna Maria Sinatine, Samantha DiFilippo, Edward Stewart, and Desiree Williamson. Kate Furby helped with the script and designs our awesome graphics, and I edited this episode. Very special thanks to Tamino for giving us the permission to use his song, Indigo Nights. And thanks to J.P. Jenks for letting us use his version of Moon River. Other music included Someday You'll Be Sorry by Ruby Braff, Climbing the Mountain by Poddington Bear, Seagull by Jazar, and two songs by Blue Dot Sessions, Waterborne and Trod Along. The version of Moon River you heard was by the new 101 Strings Orchestra. The end credit music is Two Pianos by Tagir Lius. Until next time, stay healthy, everybody. I am optimistic that uh, we will find our way through this and that we will come out the other side transformed and, and transformed in, in a better way.